Hi, I'm Kelly Cervantes, and this is Seizing Life, a bi-weekly podcast produced by Cure Epilepsy. This week, Seizing Life brings you an episode recorded at the 11th Annual Epilepsy Awareness Day at Disneyland. This event is a two-day epilepsy awareness and education expo with physicians, patients, families, epilepsy organizations, and exhibitors from across the country. It culminates in a third day of fun at the Disneyland Park for those living with epilepsy and their families. I've been attending for several years, and if you or your family are touched by epilepsy, I encourage you to check out this amazing event. This year, while I was there, I had the pleasure of speaking with Annette Adkins about her experience participating in a new epilepsy therapy currently in clinical trials. Annette is a true trailblazer as one of the first two people to have undergone regenerative brain cell therapy for epilepsy. She is here to tell us about her epilepsy journey, how she came to be involved in this ongoing clinical trial, and about the encouraging results she has experienced with this new treatment. Annette, thank you so much for joining us today. To start things off, I'd love to hear the story about how epilepsy first entered your life. Yes, well, it entered my life late in life, so 2014. Um, It was the end of the week on a Friday. Um, I wasn't feeling any different, just told everybody goodbye at the end of the day and headed off to home and my uh, regular evening making dinner and um, went to bed that night and it happened in my sleep. So it was, it was a, a large seizure, so I would call grandma at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband knew about it only because um, I started to... Um, you know, obviously move, and then I was foaming at the mouth, and um, so of course he called 911 right away, and I was taken in, and it was a severe seizure that they could not get me out of, so I was intubated, and I was held in the hospital from a Friday night until a Monday. They extubated me, I believe, on a Sunday. So, you know, mildly terrifying. It, it wasn't so much for me, because right. I wasn't the one having to deal husband. with it. Yes. And you had never had another seizure up to that point. That's correct. And if you don't mind me asking, how old were you when that first seizure happened? Okay, so I am 60 now, take away 15, so 45. 45, there you go. Okay, all right. (laughs) My math isn't Um, And the reason I ask that is because I think it is so important that people understand that epilepsy can enter your life at any point, and I think people can hear uh, about epilepsy and, and, think, well, that doesn't impact me, but what I hope that people understand is that it can impact anyone tomorrow. <laughs> and, yes. Um, and so I, I, that was, thank you for sharing that piece, because I, I do think that that's incredibly important for people to know. So you're in the hospital, you, you wake up, you're in the hospital, and what are you told? So in that particular instance, I really had no idea what was going on because it was so severe. Mm -hmm. So my first thought when it came Monday morning wasn't, where am I? I just looked at my watch and said, we've got to call work. I've got to get to work, you know, and um, I didn't 
really understand the mm -hmm. severity of the situation because my husband had to explain to me what had happened because several days had gone by. And were you diagnosed with epilepsy at that point? No, um, there was, it was unclear, you know, at that point. They wanted to do follow up on me to sure. see if there were continual seizures. And were there? And there were, yeah, there were just continuing to happen, smaller ones. And then as I learned the signals, the signs of seizure, my t metallic taste in my mouth and nausea, um, I learned more clearly that that wasn't a time for me to do whatever it is I needed to do. It was if I was a place that could be watched, mm -hmm. take my Ativan and go take a nap. I wonder at what point were you given an epilepsy diagnosis and what were you told? What did you understand about it yourself? So over a period of six months, we monitored, you know, how many seizures that I had had occurred in that amount of time. And she was um, a neurologist, but not a specialist, the mm -hmm. one that had been on An call. An epileptologist. Yes, um, on call at the hospital. Providence was where I was at at that time. Um, but uh, we started the seizure medications at that point. Actually, she had put me on one in the hospital. I, I was on Dilantin, and then we, um, that wasn't, we gave it three or four months that I didn't mm -hmm. do anything and I continued to have seizures. And um, usually after the end of a long day, but a lot of times you know, it would be in the middle of the night or just as I was um, doing something and got very stressed out mm -hmm. or tired, yeah. that's when those occurred. So then that diagnosis um, is what they decided would be inappropriate so that they could start more monitoring and mm -hmm. more care for me yep. so we could go further and deeper into what that might might mean. Yeah. So you have this epilepsy diagnosis and they're trying these medications. Are they working? Yeah, it seems to not be. I mean, we've given everyone a try, got the levels, you know, everything was within normal limits because as I was still having seizures, of course, mm -hmm. you want to assure that you're giving the correct amount of, of medication course. to yep. make sure that you're treating the situation. Um, and so then we would move to the next medication. It's sort of a stacking effect, mm -hmm. as you know. Um, and so as they continually did, did not appropriately yeah. take care of the seizures, then uh, we started going to specialists. And um, the specialist that I saw uh, actually referred me to OHSU department um, because we were looking into doing the laser. Okay, I want to get to that in just a minute. Okay. But first, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned throughout this year-long period where you're trying all these different medications, you were still working. Oh, yes. You're a pharmacist and you were still working. Tell us about, you know, what, how were you being, were the seizures cognitively impairing you? Uh, when, when I would get to that point, it particularly seemed to be at the end of the day. But if it was in the middle of the day, my workmates knew I would need to leave. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but because uh, there's no where at work that you can take an Ativan yeah. and be monitored and go lay down. Yeah. You know, in one instance, I remember being at work and I, I did, I was typing something and one of the people there with me said, you know, you don't look good. And I said, well, just give me a minute. And I was typing nonsense. Then I went into the dressing room and put somebody else's clothes on. <laughs> Then I had a seizure, mm. and my uh, one of my good workmates uh, called 911 and yeah. took me in. But that's how they 
they understood that it was real. Mm -hmm. I think without being part of it, it's really hard. It's hard for people to understand. It really is. Yeah. It's a it's a very difficult diagnosis that that looks different in everyone. You know one person with epilepsy. You know one person with epilepsy. And if you don't know anyone, yeah. then it it's it's so hard to understand without seeing it. You also at some point weren't able to drive anymore. Right. That that I, right away I made that choice. Yeah. And and. So you would use public transportation to That's get around. Correct. Tell us about that because you would still have seizures. I believe that's probably the hardest memories that I have is that riding on public transportation, it doesn't scare me, mm -hmm. but there are um, interesting people, might sure. we say, on public transportation. And um, I remember that I was told, I don't remember any of the times I was taken in, uh, but I was told you know, where the ambulance picked me up. So that's the way I could back up and say where, particularly in my mind, think about where did that happen? Did I get mm -hmm. off the max and then walk to an area that I was unclear of thinking I was going home? Because at one point I was picked up at far, far from my, my home. Mm. Um, and I was walking from, the, I thought, my Hollywood station to home. Um, so I quite likely could have gotten off at the wrong station. And it, it's just that unknowing, um, especially on public transportation, is that I feel like not everybody is aware enough to make a call because, you know, there's so much drug use out there that yeah. it could just have been someone like that. Yeah. Now, which, I mean, the whole the whole experience is terrifying. And at some point, you made the choice to stop working, that the, the, the seizures correct. were impacting you so significantly that, that working was no longer an option. Tell us about having to make that, I'm, I'm sure, incredibly difficult decision. Yeah, it, it was really hard because, uh, again, my workmates are wonderful. My patients really were part of my life in home infusion, which is where my first, um, all my work had been done. But um, leaving was really hard. So I first went on intermittent FMLA so that if I felt poorly in the morning, um, I would be covered from work because I still wanted my job. Yeah. Um, but then it just came to the point that I needed to um, go on short-term disability and I was evaluated in an EMU unit, so the epilepsy management unit. And um, I'd been doing other testing prior to that, so I had to 24-hour, you know, testing at home for EEG, um, then we uh, did the EMU unit, and I believe first or second night I had had 11 seizures oh, my word. Um, that he could see on, on uh, the monitor and uh, filming. So at that point, you know, things had changed quite a bit from, from, uh, for me for the position as far as hours that I was working. Hi, this is Brandon from Cure Epilepsy. Did you know that 30% of those diagnosed with epilepsy do not respond to current medications? That is why for 25 years, Cure Epilepsy has been committed to inspiring hope and delivering impact by funding patient-focused research to find a cure for epilepsy. Learn more about our mission and our research by visiting cureepilepsy.org. Now back to Seizing Life. Now, I want to get to the regenerative brain cell trial that yeah. you were a part of, and it's just so incredibly exciting. But 
before you got there, you were considering another treatment. And forgive me, I need to read it because this is the most letters I have ever seen in one word in my entire life. Amygdala hippocampectomy. That's good. Yes. Um, so what is that and, and sort of what was your journey to go from that to this regenerative brain clinical trial? Um, so I was sent to Dr. Roslan at OHSU, who is the surgeon. We were hoping to do the laser treatment, which is also pretty new out there, that they could just go in and touch those areas that were firing. So they knew, they the doctors were able to determine exactly where in your brain the seizures were coming from. I had had EEGs and, e and yeah. many MRIs and all those had pinpointed to the areas. Um, so at that point, you know, we had to make a decision where to go. So mm -hmm. um, it sounded like with all the meds not um, being competent enough to cover my seizures, um, our options were to go see the surgeon. Mm -hmm. And so that we went in there for the purpose of doing the laser because it sounded the least invasive, mm -hmm. but found out that even if he put three lasers in, there would be an area that would still fire because it was so damaged. Mm -hmm. So um, long treatment of amygdala hippocampectomy has been done for years. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so they thought that that was the only choice at that point. So my husband and I had to contemplate, but we really felt like this has taken up so much of our life and kept us from doing the things that we want to do sure. that if that will help, let's just do it. And you almost did yes. until this other option came along, the regenerative the brain. The regenerative brain, and, yes. Um, explain so people can understand what the requirements were for you to participate in this study. What they wanted for this particular study was 14 seizures a month or more. Okay. So um, I, I keep a log of all my seizures. So mm -hmm. it runs anywhere between, you know, 14 and 16 or 18, de depending on the week. And my guess is they also needed to know where the seizures were coming from in the brain. Was that a part and, of it too? And you have to uh, be an MTLE which is mesial temporal lobe epilepsy. Yes. So, so it's a specific, specific. type of epilepsy yes. uh, where the epilepsy is coming from in the brain that right. needs that, that I, that I feel like is the big one that people have to check and have to know. Right. What else? You have to fit the criteria as far as, you know, fitness and, and blood work and that sort of thing. So you would be going in to have an EEG and several other tests, obviously an MRI, um, to evaluate the situation that's going on and to make a final diagnosis and agree with the diagnosis that has been made by your neurologist. All of the studies were done at our hospital and then that information was sent to the company, uh, Nerona, and then they evaluated me as a participant. And so it, I wasn't automatically in just because mm -hmm. I had the correct diagnosis. I had to have, uh, I had to fit all the rest of the criteria that they had for their study okay. in order to be included. Um, I did become a candidate quite quickly, but we had to wait till the next patient mm -hmm. had gone through, at that time, three months. Okay. Because they wanted to assure, because he was the first, that there were no untoward effects. You are one of how many people who have had well, this so procedure? so far, three have been conducted, and I believe they have two more candidates. Okay, three people in, in at least the U.S., if not the world, who have had this procedure done, and were you were you nervous at all? Like, were you hesitant when they presented this to you and they're like, what was your response? 
I don't know if I said it the first day, but I know I said it the second day. Let's go for it. <laughs> I love it so much. And I know that to so many other people, that would sound absolutely bananas. Yes. But I think that until you have lived with seizures and you understand how much epilepsy can affect your life and how much it takes from you, that you, you can't understand. I remember wishing that we could have brain surgery on my daughter. I'm like, what mother wishes that surgery, your child can have brain surgery? And she, they couldn't figure out, they couldn't localize where her seizures were coming from. So she was oh. never a candidate. But um, I only laugh because I understand. Yeah. Like you get to this point of desperation and you're like, brain surgery, you're going to put some more brain cells in my brain and make it better. It sounds great. Let's give it a go. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I just, I, um, I think it speaks to how impactful epilepsy is on our lives that we're, we're willing to take these risks. And what does this, what did the surgery, what does it actually entail? Surgery was a piece of cake. <laughs> well, of For course me, you were knocked out. <laughs> I, I just breathed some air that was yeah. filled with gas and I was gone. But no, the, to be real, that it was very easy. You know, the, the surgical part of it, they um, asked me if, you know, what they want, I wanted done with my hair, and I said, just shave it all off. It's a lot easier that way for them. So it, I, from what I've heard, they, they took me in. They rolled me into the ER. To, I took the breath, and then I was out. But there were people watching um, from all over the country, obviously, mm -hmm. being a very new thing. Um, and... Uh, I had that cage put on, so there were like six screw holes or something. And then um, this is my recollection of what I was told. You know, they placed a catheter in the back of my head and then um, fed it in to where the end of the hippocampus was and then slowly released those um, uh, cells into cover my hippocampus. So, so these were new cells being placed new, new onto your brain. Correct. Placed onto your brain to then... Um, the idea being that it, your brain would then start to generate those cells on its own. Is that, am I getting that right? Well, the, the way that I understood it is that the, the cells would actually um, sort of cap mm. the ones that were firing. Got it. So that they would cause those to stop. Now, I'm not the physician like that wrote the study, but yeah, that's the, that's the way that I understood it. Yeah. And so that the firing would stop. I don't expect regeneration. You know, I do know that I was told that my, you know, what loss I have, I have. Sure. And that's, that's fine. Um, yeah. It's just going to be part of life, which I just need help for, mm -hmm. you know, just um, a little bit of help from people to get me straight on words and that sure. sort of thing. But no, the surgery, I went home the very next day. Wow. So um, very nice. They, you know, they came in and I, Dr. Birchall signed me off with all the tricks they use. Look here, look here, there, you know. Yeah. And so really nice to get home the next day. That made it a lot easier. The, you know, initially um, part of the surgery, I was not scared at all. You know, the, just knowing how much has of my life has been taken away with illness, I was ready for anything. That was, that was gonna be my next question. I mean, this is, this is a serious surgery. They are, I mean, this is, this is no joke. They are opening your skull, they are in your brain. And, and how did that work out for you? It worked out great. <laughs> you just celebrated one year seizure free. I'm gonna knock yes, on all the things. Yes, let's knock on all the way. Give all me a high five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and so you've not had a, a, a seizure since the procedure, which is incredible. It is. How do you feel? Can Do you feel any different aside from not having the seizures? Has there been any sort of cognitive impact? You said that you're not going, they can't reverse the damage, but um, how, how has that, how has that operation impacted you outside of just not having to have seizures? Well, part of the way that I am in life is I do everything, as I kind of explained to you earlier. I'm the mom, I'm the cook, you don't come in my kitchen, I do everything. I reflected on that and, and you know, I let help be given to me. Good. So my family members, both my kids live in town and they'd bring food over or, and come visit and, you know, run errands if they needed to. Of course, my husband's wonderful and, um, you know, even though he doesn't know how to cook too many things, <laughs> he's learned to do a lot of stuff and he's, he's my rock. He's the one that can look at me and, and say, you know, it's probably not a good idea, mom, to go for a walk today. Mm. We call each other mom and dad. No. But, um, yeah, and I, I trust that. So this is obviously a trial. You are right. one of three, and it has only been a year post-op for you. Yes. Have the the surgeons, the doctors, the researchers, have they been able to tell you what to expect? Do they have any idea of what you can expect down the road? Uh, no. No, this is too new for us to know long-term mm -hmm. what, what would happen. They monitor us for two years. Okay. And then we are uh, given the opportunity for another 13 years of, I think it's a once or twice a year contact to see okay. how things have gone to make sure that we're still doing well. Mm -hmm. um, because at that point we should be off all of our seizure medications as well that weren't helping us anyway. And um, I think you know, a part of the medications, I would say, would be the only thing that I would have to tell someone that they they really knock you down. The immunosuppressant medication. Yes, exactly. You know, some of the, the immunosuppressants can be quite difficult to mm. tolerate, but if they're necessary. We don't want to have a graft-versus-host disease or anything poor uh, become of it. So it's very important that we monitor all of those. So, yes. So that'll come off, and then at some point you come off of the anti-seizure medications? We will. I just have not been given the plan for okay. the taper off on those. But the idea is that you are now seizure-free and can come off the medications and go on living your life. Yeah, at 60, I'm getting over the halfway mark here probably. <laughs> so I've got a lot I want to do. Yes, I'm sure you do, being the doer that you are. If someone is presented with the opportunity for this procedure, what would you tell them? Oh, I would tell them to go. It was really, it's worth your while to go for it and be seizure free. I really believe that every one of us deserves that opportunity. Mm -hmm. You know, in adults sometimes, I felt like I wasn't believed because everyone thinks that it's a childhood disease. Right. Just like diabetes in a way, you know, mm -hmm. as we were talking about. But, you know, they, they don't understand how as an adult, you know. Well, and they, they expect it to be a pediatric onset, not an yes, adult onset. To, exactly. You know, that you would start having seizures in your 40s. Um, but it happens, and it happens more than people think that it does, yes. uh, unfortunately, for whatever reason. And so 
I'm just so grateful to you, Annette, for sharing your story, for being brave enough to try this, this procedure that, I mean, you could be one of the very first people that, that helps push science forward so that potential cures become available. And your passion and your bravery and your commitment is, um, it's appreciated and it's valued, and I hope you know that. I really appreciate you saying that. It's been, it's been such a special way that people have treated me that before I didn't feel that. And I'm really grateful to have been given the opportunity to help other people to know that there's hope. Yeah, so find those epileptologists, ask them about it, bring them the study, and find out if you could be a candidate. Yes, definitely. And it's so worthwhile. Why not try? Yeah. Go, and I, that's why we're spreading the word, right? Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Annette, for sharing your journey with us and for your courage to participate in clinical trials for this promising new epilepsy therapy. We wish continued success for you and for all the other patients taking part in the regenerative brain cell therapy trial. For 25 years, Cure Epilepsy has been dedicated to funding cutting-edge, patient-focused research that will lead us to better therapies and ultimately cures for those living with epilepsy. If you would like to help support this research, please visit cureepilepsy.org forward slash donate. Cure Epilepsy, inspiring hope and delivering impact. Thank you. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Cure Epilepsy. The information contained herein is provided for general information only and does not offer medical advice or recommendations. Individuals should not rely on this information as a substitute for consultations with qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with individual medical conditions and needs. Cure Epilepsy strongly recommends that care and treatment decisions related to epilepsy and any other medical conditions be made in consultation with a patient's physician or other qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with the individual's specific health situation.